This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having two entrepreneurs that I met when they had a PowerPoint and now have a studio. So I got Kenny and Nadav, prior attorneys at law, now Halo CEO and operator. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So want to take a little bit of time, give people your background and how you made the uh, the shift into the Halo sector and what that was like uh, psychologically and maybe telling your parents what you were doing and the pushback there and then, uh, you know, the formation of the company and how you thought through it. Yeah, for sure. So Nadav and I always like to start with kind of how we met each other. Uh, we were both corporate lawyers at Kirkland and Ellis, big firm uh, in New York City. I was there for three years and Nadav was there for four years. Um, and it became pretty clear to us very early on that we both did not want to practice law our whole lives. Um, for me, it was probably about two weeks in. What would you say for you? Two, two days, Max. Two days, yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> two days and um, four years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we were both there, as I said, for several years, though. And, you know, during the time that we were there, Nadav and I also um, had been doing CrossFit together for a number of years down the block. Um, and that time that we used to work out in the morning was really our best time of the day. It was the only time that we really enjoyed. We kind of walk out, look our, go our separate ways and be like, all right, we're kind of fucked for the rest of the day. That's really it. So we knew we, we didn't want to keep practicing law. We knew we wanted to do something in fitness because that was really our passion. And it was actually through CrossFit that we got introduced to rowing. Um, we had never rowed on water before. We'd never been part of a crew team. Still, um, still have never rowed on yeah, water, still, by the way. Still okay. not, have not. Might as well not now. At yeah, this point, yeah. Right? it would be yeah, kind of yeah. weird if we did. Yeah, you yeah. have to change, change your whole story, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so uh, we just got introduced kind of like the benefits of the machine. And um, we were kind of hooked on it from the beginning. Um, as you know, you know, rowing is extremely effective because it's full body. It's low impact, burns a lot of calories in a short amount of time. And it allows you to kind of create this fitness variability around um, programming because you can get on and off so easily. And so we kind of looked at the existing kind of like rowing space market. There was nothing that really kind of like provided what we wanted, which is sort of kind of like this high intensity crossfit type feel where you're taking advantage of all the benefits of rowing, but also get kind of that um, resistance training that we you know, want and we were used to from CrossFit as well. Um, the other thing that we, we noticed is that throughout time, we, um, you know, through CrossFit and through running marathons and triathlons, the Dodgers two-time Ironman, we, uh, you know, we loved the intensity of the workouts, but our bodies were sort of breaking down over time. So we wanted to create something where we could get that same intensity that we used to and that we like, but in a way that doesn't destroy our bodies and kind of like promotes longevity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of evolved over time into introducing kind of like a high-intensity, low-impact um, program. Getting back to how we got there, when I decided that I wanted to leave the firm, um, you know, going to law school is definitely a big investment. Parents, friends, or everyone's kind of looking at you kind of crazy, like, why the hell did you even go to law school in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, it, it just, it felt right. Like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about the fact that they don't feel like they belong kind of like in a, just a straight kind of corporate setting where this is what you do. You know, people tell you, okay, you follow this path, you're gonna get X, Y, and Z. And never felt right or comfortable to me the entire time I was kind of like on that path. And so the, the shift to kind of just going off and doing something else entrepreneurial just felt more natural to me. I think. 
For me, yeah. I mean, Kenny and I left the firm around the same time. I really had no immediate plans. I was going to take at least six months off. That's what I like to do when I make a career change. I take at least six months to a year off. How many career changes have you had? I actually had, I spent a short time as an engineer in Miami as well. And you took Uh, a six-month I took a year off, actually. A year leave. I did a year, like, around the world trip. So it's shorter than Yeah, so, well, it got even shorter than that, actually. (laughs) So I was planning on taking six months off. I uh, packed I, all I, my stuff. I ruined it for him, as you'll hear. Yeah, well, I'm still a little salty about it. But um, basically packed everything after seven years in New York. I packed all my stuff, dropped off my parents' house in uh, Miami, grabbed my little bicycle, and I was off to Hawaii. I was training for an Ironman at the time. Nice. So I had a little, my little kind of shithole on the beach there that didn't have a wind, it didn't have like a, a wall, essentially. I just had like a screen around. So um, I'd wake up with a lot of bugs inside. But, you know, it was my little home. <laughs> um, and I'd ride my bike and train for my little race. And then shortly thereafter, I get a call from my old pal, Kenny, who has an idea for what is now essentially Rogata. Um, and I told him, no way. I'm not interested in hearing about it. I'm taking six months off. And then he called me back. He called me back a couple other times. The next thing you know, I was flying back to New York where I kind of commuted back and forth. I was in Miami for a little while, commuting back and forth. Spent, what do you say, like 100 nights, call it, on his couch? Yeah, we actually um, just threw out the comforter that he spent many nights on. Yeah, on couch, so I would so. sleep. Couch guy, like, my, <laughs> yeah, mind <laughs> you, this guy lives in a studio with no closets. So I would sleep on the couch. Eventually, his girlfriend, Niners, nice lady, she moved in, and I would still sleep on the couch. Wow. So it would be the three of you us like in Chinese this little. wall or something there? Or like <laughs> we got a Chinese nothing. Up. It would just be the three of us. You know, if I sleep over on like Valentine's Day or whatever, I'd just be like, listen, guys, I'm going to put headphones yeah. in. <laughs> you guys do whatever you got to do. I promise I won't interfere. Um, so that's kind of how I got dragged back into this beautiful city of ours. Gotcha. Gotcha. So t- let's talk about um, when you were at Kirkland Ellis, you know, without um, moonlighting too much. But, you know, I obviously – the ideation related to this, you know, from when did you, before you called the Dov, you know, like when did you like say, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm just going to, I'm going to let him go to Hawaii and then I'm going to formalize this a little more. Would you like pitch him or like, you know? Yeah. So, the, so and why the, him actually? That, <laughs> I mean, that I'm question. still asking That's myself. That's the million dollar question <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah, the studio question. And you knew he didn't have a place to stay. Well, it I took mean, him a while. He worked through his list. Right? Yeah, he worked through his list before he finally got to my name. I do say <laughs> every startup needs a crazy Israeli as part of the team. So I found my crazy Israeli in the Dove and, you know, everything's worked out pretty well so yeah. far. And, and I'm a redhead, so I checked two boxes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, you fit on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> couch or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, doesn't snore too loud, which is good. Um, so, I, so, so this idea started, started germinating in the spring of um, 2017 while we were both still at the firm. Got it. Okay. Um, at the time, uh, we were kind of thinking about creating some sort of at-home concept that was sort of based around a rowing machine, kind of this high-intensity interval training around a rower. Think of it kind of like as a, um, a Peloton-type concept where we were thinking about kind of creating the software where, um, you know, people could do these rowing-inspired workouts from home. That idea, as you'll hear, sort of, you know, evolved over time. But that was, you know, at, the, at the, that time I was still at the firm, working 100-hour weeks, really crazy, and sort of just got to the point where I was like, look, like, if I'm going to try to actually look into this, I need the time away from this job to actually kind of explore this opportunity. So in June of 2017... The firm actually offered me a six-month leave of absence, hmm. um, which was great. And it was kind Did of, you just give it to them or sign the, it to Nadav? 
the six no, month leave. I, I wouldn't no. even take the leave. I told him, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm, out. I'm, I'm not interested in any leave. There's no problem. Try trying like, like freeze your membership, like freeze your employment. <laughs> yeah. Just to fucking retrain you, right? Yeah. yeah. Just get this like guy's that. burnt out. We'll get him back. Don't worry about it. That, that was probably the thinking on their part. Yeah. Um, we were never coming back. Uh, but, uh, but so I, I really took that time to kind of like put kind of a, a business plan together or start talking to investors more so just to get a sense of their thoughts and advice on kind of like the business idea um, and kind of understand the market a little bit more. At that time, that's when I was starting to talk to Nadav. And again, he and I had always been close at, at Kirkland. Um, and we were also kind of like had that passion for fitness. And so it was one of those things that, to be honest, like it wasn't just immediate, like, okay, we're going to work on something together. It was just sort of something that evolved very naturally over time. Where again, you know, I would call up Nadav. He'd be in the middle of some bike ride or doing some crazy thing in in Hawaii, and it just, you know, it just sort of made sense to evolve to that conversation. Where like, you know, what, let's do this together. So, you know, that those kind of like first six months were again spent kind of like putting together our plan, raising an initial round of money from friends and family, and then, you know, again at the time we we're kind of working on building out this software, designing a new piece of hardware actually. I think, um, I think we should give him the old old regatta tale. Yeah, like it's, it's a good it's a good tale. Take it away. Yeah, far away. The old regatta. So this is what we call old regatta. So that was the plan initially. It was like an at home concept as sort of like step one, and then brick and mortar was going to be step two, right? Like to kind of like supplement or support or whatever. Um, we had an office in Dumbo, kind of like this one, very nice. Um, we were at a WeWork down there. We had put a great team together. Um, you know, we had designers, software developers, the whole thing. We're working with a big time name that was doing our hardware design and supposed to do our manufacturing. Um, we worked on this for a while. Um, we had some issues on the hardware front where our prototype kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. It was being allegedly built in Taiwan, um, but it became kind of obvious just at some point that things were not quite going as planned. Um, the downside is that you're the more time goes by, the more pot committed you are essentially to this course of action that you've taken because you're like very far down this road. And we're kind of hopeful the whole time that you know it, maybe it'll just show up, it'll be beautiful, it'll be amazing, and all be forgiven. And we also happen to know that somebody out of Boston was doing something similar. So we had kind of like an arms race going. We did finally get our prototype significantly delayed. Um, and when it showed up, for lack of a better word, it was a piece of shit. Oh. Um, and at this point, we spent, what, like a year? Yeah. A year, maybe more, working on this. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very heartbreaking for us. Um, I mean, I, I personally, I, I didn't eat for like a week. I lost like 12 pounds after that we got that. I mean, it was, I, a, it was a real. for two people. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a real. Yeah, we, we deal with depression differently. So uh, it was a real. That was our low point. the prototype in his studio, though, <laughs> just to clutter it up a little more? Uh, well, yeah. So actually. It's probably should have. It's in storage right now. If you ever want to come see it, we'll, we'll show you. Yeah. It's the, uh, the artifact is still there. So that was like a real Maybe you can use like, it as like a chandelier or something in your studio. We'll, like, we'll yeah, find, that was we'll the find first way. idea. Yeah, we're going to find a use for it yeah. someday, even if it kills me. Right? Structural art. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, I would say that was the low point throughout this okay. whole process. And we've okay. had plenty of low points. Um, and essentially, we had like a reckoning, right, where it was like, here are our options. One, we can liquidate and give our investors, you know, a small percentage of what they invested. We can go back down this road. But again, we knew someone else was doing this. And to be honest... 
we really didn't enjoy it so much. For one, neither one of us, I mean, I have an engineering background, but not in computers. Um, and we're running like a software team, essentially, right? And people are telling us this is supposed to take this long. It's going to take that long. And other than ask questions and use our common sense, there's not a whole lot we can do because yeah, sure. I have no idea how long it's supposed to take to build out this functionality because I have never done it and I don't know how to code. Yeah. So to be honest, we didn't really love it. It was very stressful. And we didn't really want to go raise money essentially to be like, listen, guys, we're going to, you know, hit the re like hit the reset here and start this over. Mm-hmm. So the other option was to kind of reverse course and go brick and mortar with the idea of then coming back to the software. Um, we do have Kenny and I have like, you know, a patent pending on some of our software we developed. Um, and we did learn a lot through that process. But we decided to switch gears and then go into the brick and mortar space. That was in like October, right? of last year when yeah. we kind of decided that this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, in May, we had already started construction on what is now Rogata Union Square. And September 14th of 2019 was our grand opening. So, you know, it was call it 11 months or so from the time we said this is what we're going to do until we open, which we think is is pretty good considering that we also do not have unlimited resources at our disposal. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and, and for for people out there who like hear about these pivots all the time, like r- really what, what, what we did is we always had this vision of kind of introducing this rowing inspired high intensity interval training content out there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a matter of figuring out, okay, how, what is the, what is the best way to get that to people going through this process again with this hardware is, is probably not it. And so we realized that going kind of like this brick and mortar route, building this brand and this concept through that way and then expanding from there is kind of our, was our best course of action to get that out there. Gotcha. So what, what, once you opened, what, what kind of roles did you guys either deliberately take on and, and try and split up or, you know, is it a all utility uh, infielders, you know, whatever's available that needs to get done, like we'll, we'll parse it up. That's a good question because we meet with a lot of people and people ask us, oh, who does the marketing? Who does the operations? Who Mm -hmm. does the classes? Who works the front desk? And basically the answer is always um, us. Uh, It's it's pretty much, you know, when we first opened, we we really did everything. We're trying now to kind of like transition away from that a little bit because it's just not the best value of our time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. It's not the most efficient way to do it. But I mean, we've really done everything for this company from running the construction process. We've worked the front desk. We coach. Um, we, you know, run operations. We do the marketing. We, we really kind of do it all. Um, and we enjoy it. Um, it's, it's amazing. We absolutely love it. But, you know, to run a long-term company, the founders can't really do everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've also, like, I mean, at first we were – even more, you know, about sort of the way things have to be. I mean, the first couple of months that we were open, I mean, I'm very anal you know, about the studio itself. Um, and I, I didn't miss a, like a class at any point. Every single person that came through to take a class would get a private tour from me of the facility. I'd meet them at the front desk. I'd show them the studio. I'd take them downstairs, show them where the locker rooms are, where our huddle zones, like our community spaces. Everybody kind of like made fun of me that I had like this shtick going over and over. I probably did like a thousand times and running up and down the stairs actually does get pretty tiring at some point. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that was every single person would get a tour. Now there are times where, you know, maybe I'll miss a class here and there because you got to take a nap at some point. But it's tough to do that. And also right then in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, I'd get there like 5 a.m. and I'd leave at call it 9 p.m. And then I have a thousand emails, right? waiting for me to actually run the business outside of just giving people tours. Yeah, I guess, though, in, in, in your first location, you know, actually 
you know, doing everything that you just talked about, you know, gives you the ability to one, you know, some, like, I guess the, the opposite of the coder, yeah. you know, and saying like, Hey, how long is it going to take? It's like, look, I've done the tour. This is how you do the tour. This is what I find that successful or, Hey, I've cleaned, I've cleaned the locker room many times myself. Like it takes X amount of time and here's how I, here's my route and here's how much. So, I mean, part of that's probably like invaluable, from a standpoint of, of finding people to fill those spots and then kind of growing from there. I think some people that take on too much money at first or, or get in, you know, find themselves into something, they say, well, I'm only teaching X amount of classes a week. And it's like, well, if you're a founder of the business, like you better teach as much as you need to. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like governor, like you're not a Broadway actor, you know, and I only do eight shows a week, you know, it's, it's, it's only when the, 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 Yep. Uh, I mean, we basically open, do. You know? I mean, we, yeah. And at some point, right, we had a while where we had more front desk people working. And then we thought about it. We're like, listen, some of them were not necessarily thrilled with the way that they're greeting people at the desk. And frankly, maybe we can spend our money better somewhere else. So Kenny and I split up all the days and we take turns opening, which means, you know, I'd wake up at 4.30 every day. I'd be at the studio at 5 to make sure that everything was fine for the day, even though I know it's fine because I'd left it that way the night before when I left, but just to make sure no one broke in and stole all the towels out of like the women's locker room or something, right? Um, And we've basically been doing that up until the new year, which now 2020 resolution, we have somebody else opening. So, you know, we can get there at call it 7 a.m. instead of 5 a.m. How far do you live from the studio? I live pretty close. Um, I live in Chelsea. I also... Got a, a dog recently, a puppy who's... Mazel tov. Thank you. Who's kind of like the, the Rogata mascot. We actually named her Rosie. Rosie. And she's very popular. Also a great marketing tool. She basically sits on 14th Street and people just come in all day trying to pet her. Do you dress her up? Like I have any well, yeah, Rogata well, gear? The Rogata Instagram account, I would oh. say it's like 80% Rosie at this point. Um, that's at Rogata underscore NYC. Um, Plug it away, man. So uh, I can't believe you didn't bring Rosie here. Would you think we she's at the studio friendly? right now with the oh, with, with, membership? with Allison from the front desk? She's Rosie Perfect. doesn't take breaks. Rosie works like ninety hours a week, right? Yeah. The she actually took all the marketing responsibilities away from us. So yeah. now that does Rosie nap at all, or she they don't really need she nap? Na- so for a long time, she had a cardboard box that we would keep behind the front desk. Um, and she would sleep in there and then she pretty much ate it. Um, yeah. so I had to get rid of it actually the okay. other day okay. and people also, some people thought this was like somehow abuse or whatever, but she loved that box. I mean, she had a blanket in there. She had a bunch of toys, um, but now she has a proper bed at the studio. So That's she's good. really, so she's you're catering already, to the animal activists as well. Yeah. Well, the point is, you know, got to wake up early, walk Rosie over to the studio. You get there 5 a.m. I mean, that's, it's tough to do that day in day out. Yeah, I it's, hear good, it's good to be the uncle. Yeah, the actual owner. I'm I'm more of the dog person around here, you know. Kenny, right. I think he has a soft spot. I want to see Rosie. Rosie on the on the prototype as like a whole Instagram thread. Celebrate Hanukkah. That's her. Yeah. But she celebrates she, everything. She celebrates Christmas too. Oh wow, she's a non-denominational. People, she's a exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's it. very open. It's 2020, so she does it all. I like it. I like it. So, so when you looked at the different business models that were out there, um, you know, are you how are you doing with ClassPass versus going direct? You know, obviously you got this grassroots following now. You know, how, how do you kind of think about the business? So, I, I mean, I think you talk to any studio owner, and uh, everyone kind of shares a common gripe against ClassPass. Look, for, for us, ClassPass is great because it introduces a lot of people to the studio. 
Um, but over time, obviously, we want people kind of like coming to us directly. Um, one thing that's been really great and I think has been a result of us being there all the time is that people kind of um, really like meet the founders, kind of buy into the whole community um, and our, you know, it shows in our retention. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have, as Nadav mentioned, this massive marketing budget to kind of like go out and get people to come in for these classes. Um, really, we just, you know, we do as best we can so that the people that come in like have an amazing experience um, and want to come back. You know, we're in this game to be for, for longevity, right? Like we're not trying to just be the next fad, um, something new. We're in this to really kind of like build a sustainable community and, you know, that's kind of like what we've been working towards. Um, yeah. I mean, we always talk about sort of that when you see these studios around the city and just in general, there's sort of like a few different types. There's kind of like two aspects that we view that you really kind of need to hit on if you want to last long term. One is the actual product, right? You want to have a good workout or whatever it is that happens within the inside the actual studio. Um needs to be well thought out, which we think a lot of studios don't necessarily do that. And the other part is sort of like the experience, right? That's like the amenities. If you're going to be paying, you know, $35 or $40 per class, you're going for an experience, right? You're not just going to, right, kind of like drop your stuff off, work out, and leave right mm-hmm. away. And you kind of see some of both, right? We get compared to, to be frank, we don't really get compared to people here rowing. And there's other rowing studios in the city that we think have great workouts, but don't necessarily offer the experience and the amenities that we do. Um, on the other hand, we also see a lot of newer studios are popping up all over the place that they're almost sole focus is just Instagram and the marketing side. Um, and we think that the actual workout itself is lacking. Um, and you can see that even, that's our approach to everything. Even the coaches we hire, all our coaches, and we've we interviewed like a ton of coaches. Um, we have our like founding coaches team of our five coaches that we love, give them a shout out, Hut, to Julia, and Lex, and Dom, and Chris, and Ari. Did I forget anybody? No, I think that's everybody. You, Coach Nadav. And me and Coach Kenny over here as well. Got it. And they're all fitness professionals. This is what they do. They're not, you know, actors and singers and baristas that do this on the side. They're all certified. They all have experience. And we also, you know, we're not paying them just to sort of like flash themselves on Instagram, right? We're there to really connect with our members and share their knowledge and experience. And that's sort of been our approach. We always talk about kind of having like delivering an authentic experience. Um, and I think the fact that Kenny and I are to a large extent self-funded and have to do everything ourselves, I think it sort of translates, right? Because we're there, control everything there every day. Um, and that's been sort of like one of the big positive kind of points of feedback is that we get back is people are like, you know, it really feels kind of like very homey here. Um, and that's really important to us. Yeah. And and that kind of stems a little bit from our, from our CrossFit background or experience, right? Like, we, um, you know, one thing that CrossFit does really, really well is build our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we always wanted to kind of like bring with us towards this like boutique space, right, if you call it that. So, for example, we have downstairs in our in our um, athlete huddle zone kind of like an area to warm up, cool down. There are foam rollers, Theraguns, lacrosse balls, and kind of like this community space where we hold events. Just on Friday, we had an event with Burger and Lobster, you know, in the neighborhood. And, you know, people took the evening classes. They come and came and hang out downstairs. Um, had and delicious so, lobster rolls. Yeah. I had 13 lobster rolls. Yeah. 13? I, I had or? like a bet going with the, with the guy making yeah. them. I could have like kept like going. A but like a melt? They were, small, they were smaller Lobster rolls. Really? They weren't, they he thinks he can eat a lot, but it's Kenny's the one with the big appetite. Yeah, actually, I know. Yeah. Well, you gotta sell some more he, memberships. Yeah. He's, and a, grow, he's more, a growing right? boy. This guy. Yeah. Says so, lions gotta eat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, just, just picking up on one of the points you said, when when Orange Theory was starting out, you know, they they originally had four. 
they had five studios, four of the five studios were losing money and they, they focused on the results that people were getting out of the workout. And I feel like a number of the boutiques here have kind of forgotten that like what we're selling is we're selling results. Right. Just like CrossFit at the end of the day, like I'm selling that you will get stronger if you follow this playbook. This seems like you've kind of taken that to the to the rowing space, which some of it might be more Instagrammable versus like, hey, you're going to put in 45 minutes, you know, three days a week. Like you will look, you know, a certain way and you will feel better. And I feel like somehow that's gotten lost in the messaging. Like people yeah. are working out because I want to look better in front of a mirror. That's the first thing. Yeah. And then kind of at least yeah. that's how I've always viewed it. Yeah, no, it's extremely important to us. And, you know, like we mentioned our, our legal background, our corporate background, but we're also both NASM certified personal trainers. We're both cross or level one coaches. So for us, it, it's it's more than just, you know, a financial business, right? Like for us, we we really care about creating results for people and, and you know, having people come in and just feel better and look better and really like exceeding and hitting their their potential. That is really our goal at Rogata. And, you know, it, it, it sounds crazy, but it's a little bit unique for people to have that approach. Yeah, no, it's great. So you, you're, you're how many months in at this point? Five, four or five months? Tomorrow, four months. Four months? Big anniversary if you guys want to come back for a class. Great, huh? yeah. If they got lobster rolls, I'll go. That <laughs> right, sounds yeah. awesome. I'll pick up a lobster roll for yeah, you. Pick you up one lobster roll, cut into 13 well, pieces. On Sundays, <laughs> on Sundays, we have bagels every Sunday. Oh, actually, that's down lovely. Huddle, Sunday burn. bagel burn. Bagels and schmear Bagels and burn? Yeah. In that order, I hope. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Well, why don't you plug the address here so we can get people over there? Yeah, so it's, it's 31 West 14th Street. Uh, that's New York, New York. It's a couple blocks away from um, Union Square. So very across the street to. from the ginormous uh, Party City. Everybody yeah, knows where Party City is. We're right across the street. I basically I sit on a stool and stare into Party City, you know, 15 hours a day. So if anybody wants to come say hi to me and Rosie, please do. Awesome. All right, guys, congrats on the uh, success. Let's uh, get this one working and then kind of go from there. Let's Love the work ethic. Sounds good. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Us. All right, guys.